There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Lainey, and welcome to the Lainey Gossip Podcast for Sasha Answers. And this the is... The last one of 2016. The last one of the year. Yeah. In the first year of the podcast, because yes. we, we started think? it January 2016. Did we really? Oh, yeah. this is the 40th episode. Yes, it's We've done us. 40 episodes. We've done 40 weeks of podcasting. Wow. Which I think is… That's off to us. That's crazy. A lot. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. There's a lot of problems out there that we have solved. Yes, and not solved. And not solved. And a lot <laughs> and of times that we were fucking… Or I was a fucking cunt. Yeah, I think… Actually, um, you know what's great? 2016, you in this podcast series, you became… A little, like you became uncunty, I find. Really? I'm, I was surprised that like you're actually you're kind of a softie, something that people don't know about you and also that you don't like to put out there. But you actually do like, when I look at you, 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 you have empathy. I have selective compassion. There are some people who don't deserve it and there are some people who deserve a lot of it. But either one of those spectrums, you are full in, right? Totally. Which I'm is, either in or out. Yeah, which is great. Not a maybe person. No. Congratulations to you. Yasik thinks what you're saying is fucking hilarious, mm. however, the fact that his wife has compassion and empathy. Like, you know, but, but he's… But you don't… That's not the vibe you like to put out. But in, in actuality, I look at your face every time you read something and when something sad happens or mildly sad, like you, it touches you. Like, Correct. Uh, yeah, which is great. <laughs> Again, I just don't think lots of people know that. On so that that's note… Not, that's what I know in 2016 about you. On that note, let's talk about what we hate about the holidays. Yes. <laughs> Just to keep it on a positive tip. Well, what I wanted to ask you, because I feel like a big old cunty Grinch when I get um, those beautiful family cards that people send me with their kids all in like the same outfit with like candy canes or like just like a nice family portrait. And it's like, happy Christmas from the Johnsons. So nice. But I throw it away because I think um, I don't, I, I don't. Do, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with them. I'm not going to put them on my fucking fridge. I'm not going to frame them. So I leave them on the counter. Frame them? Whatever. I don't know what else they want me to do with yeah. that sort of stuff. So I leave it on my counter for like a solid 24 hours. Yeah. And then I throw them in the garbage. Mm-hmm. Am I a horrible person? Do you do that? Because how how long are you supposed to – the whole holiday season? That's – Elvis. That's Elvis trying to get a, uh, attention. Yeah. That's Elvis. <laughs> leave it. We should. I think we should leave this in the podcast. P.S. As our final episode, we are going to un, um, not edit out all the times that we are disturbed by my asshole of a dog Elvis! who's trying to get ornaments. Who right it. now is sniffing around our tree, trying to take down ornaments oh because God. nobody's paying attention to him. Okay. Well, I feel like that he's agreeing with me. He's tugging on those ornaments, being like, "Yes, Sasha, throw that shit out." Well, I think that. Um, in you get them, right? I, I get, get them. them. And I I think that it was something that people used to do way more in the past, right? And it was a custom and an expectation or 
out of politeness. It's a nice thing. Uh, just a nice thing to do, right? And I wonder, here's my theory. Was it done in a time when everybody had a fireplace and a uh, mantle? Totally. Yeah, maybe. Right? Either uh, way. Th- okay. Because that's where you would put them. Yes. And you'd have this mantle on top of the fireplace and you'd go to people's homes and that's where they would put all these cards. Like I distinctly have like an, a vision in my mind, an image in my mind of going to all these homes and seeing all your friends' families' cards, cards and all the Christmas cards they'd received that season up on that mantle. Okay. And now not everybody well, you has… have a mantle. So do you put that… Like you have no excuse. I'm looking at your mantle right now. I don't see any of your friends' kids No, I don't have… I don't have think that we haven't gotten that many. We've gotten maybe a handful. I don't see and one a couple of them <laughs> a couple of them are up on the fridge. Oh, you do do that. Um, no, you have one. And then there's one behind you. And then I do get a lot at work and I put them on a corkboard at okay, work. So you're nice. Um, however, I do think that it it depends, right? Some of them come from companies. Okay. You get a lot from the companies. Yes. And so when it comes from the companies, I'm like, thanks. I'm glad they thought about me. And then I might See you later. I'm talking about your family and friends. What do you do? Okay. Let's say Duanna comes up with a card with her and Theo. How long are you keeping that? Until like January 1st. Wow. And where do you put that? You're putting that on your fridge? I'll put that that space right behind you where we put Christmas pictures and it's essentially above the alcohol. Yeah. That is a lot of card placing. So you're going to put that there until… Yeah. You know which ones get me the most though are his… Parents are big on sending. Yasik's parents are big on sending birthday cards. I mean, they always have mm. to get a card, and they always. And I feel like those those need to be on display. They're not going to fly here from Vancouver, but that's but like just a, in case. <laughs> right, but that's a big ass guilt trip on yes. my mind. Where I know his mother would be like, "You threw it out right after reading it." Oh, and I think that he feels that cross country guilt too, yeah, and he would enough. never let me throw it out. Right. Well, um, I, yeah. I, I will say that I like them in email form, but I just don't love them. I feel like also save a tree in this day and age. Save a tree. Here's what save I will tree. say is that I think that the responsibility for doing that in a household is very rarely, and here's where Yassi's going to roll his eyes, is very rarely the man. Mm. Women think of these things of most, most. And sometimes – we talked this week actually – um, on our show, on the social, about emotional labor. Mm. So emotional labor is the kind of work, household work, that, I mean, isn't just washing the dishes or the laundry, but the um, the etiquette labor, mm-hmm. the sending of the thank you cards, the putting together of the Christmas cards, the remembering to buy the gifts for the teachers if you have kids, the remembering to buy all the gifts for, um, I don't know, like the cleaning service or that is emotional labor. You don't get paid for it. And it is a lot of extra, extra on your day to day, right? On top of typically, because this is women, typically women have already all the things to think about. If you're looking at a standard family, uh, two kids or whatnot, She's already dealing with her kids and then the babysitting and whether or not they're sleeping and feeding right. them and whatever, and then the emotional labor on top of that. And when we were talking about this, I kind of got really angry, shocking, um, <laughs> because I have decided that that burden of emotional labor, which is so closely tied to etiquette, 
yep. properly thanking people, sending Christmas cards, making sure the teachers know that you appreciate how um, hard they, you're working or they're working for your kids, that falls on women. And it's not fair. Yeah, I don't know when we decided to pick up the slack. Well, actually, I do know when we did, but I yeah. I'm always very surprised that it still continues. Yes. Um, and I don't know. Like sometimes I just wonder it, – and I do think actually it is intrinsic in women to be more of a caretaker than a man. It just is, I think, in our DNA. <laughs> we also – And we th- and we tell ourselves that too. We do. So. And we judge. By telling ourselves that, we judge. So it's not – I'll give you an example. So let's say you and Corey are invited over to another couple's for dinner. Mm-hmm. Or you're just invited to another couple. Mm-hmm. You're invited to your girlfriend's for dinner. You don't show up and be empty-handed because it is rude to show up to somebody's empty-handed. So you buy the bottle of wine or whatever and you bring it over. Mm-hmm. I bet you that if Corey was dropping by his buddies… It's only beer for himself. Correct. And it's always BYOB. And or nothing. Or he doesn't bring anything. And they don't judge. What I'm trying to say is the friend, if Corey shows up empty-handed, doesn't judge. Like, doesn't wait for Corey to leave and say to his partner, can you believe that Corey didn't bring anything over as a hostess gift for me? Oh, my God. That kind of judgment comes from the women, us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I wish that we could get past that. Because I'm going to think about you, my friend Sasha. And I'm going to say, if I invite you, Sasha, over – As a hostess, my job is to only want you to have the best time. Right. Is to feed you, get you drunk, make you laugh, and make sure you have a nice relaxing evening. Mm -hmm. That does not include hoping that you make a detour on your way over to buy me a bottle of wine. I think that that expectation is wrong. So I think that at a certain point, we as women have to work on not placing those judgments on ourselves especially around the holidays. I also find that those people who do those thank you cards, who are always um, like writing handwritten letters for whatever reason, yeah, fucking hate it. Fucking hate it. It's been like passed down generation to generation um, and, you know, through their mothers, through their grandmothers. And it's something that they feel like they need to do. And for the most part, a lot of my girlfriends, I've even talked to them, are like, fuck, I don't want to be that person, but I have to send those yes. thank you letters. And it's just so interesting. Because otherwise I'll get judged yeah, by, by women. Right. Or by their moms. <laughs> well, women. Women. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. They, I think that women. there are, yeah, there are some some of these things where I'm becoming, I, I'm objecting more yeah. and more to. Only because I get it, it's polite and it's classy, mm-hmm. but I don't think that it is fairly distributed among like genders. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that if men felt this more, sure, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Then I would know that like the Corys and the Yassics of the world stress themselves over bringing a host gift or a hostess gift. But I know that they don't. So that makes it unfair. And since it is unfair, then I am lobbying to reject etiquette and emotional labor. Oh, dude, I don't fucking do any of that shit. So yay. Anyway, especially during this time of year. I mean, like I have talked to so many women who are like their list is so long and they're, it's supposedly the happiest time of the year. It's supposedly when you're supposed to relax and be with your friends and more and more the expectation for you to do things to look good is longer and longer. Yeah. And they're aggro. They're fucking aggro. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Anyway, so there's our – that's totally of the Christmas spirit, I hope. Mm-hmm. So great. Ho, ho, ho. Um, shall we get to our questions? Yes. Okay. First one. Dear Sasha, I'm not really writing for advice, but I'm interested in hearing uh, your and Lainey's thoughts. 
I'm recently divorced from a man, let's call him Chad, I've been with since I was 22. I've got a couple of kids with Chad and I'm ridiculously overeducated. My parents divorced when I was a kid and it was ugly. I was determined not to repeat that in my own life. I thought that failed marriages were a sign of a weak mind, a lack of stamina or something. Anyway, several years ago, I started to notice how sad I was. There were a lot of reasons. I'd made serious sacrifices in support of my husband's career, and I was starting to wonder when it would be my turn, and I found it increasingly difficult to engage him in the normal couple stuff that I thought we used to enjoy. Life was really lonely, and long story short, we split up. Fast forward a few years, and I'm with someone new. Hmm, can we call him Martin? So the first guy's Chad, the other guy's Martin. Martin is just lovely, fun, ridiculous. He delights me in so many ways, and I'm really excited for our future. One day about a year ago, I told Martin how great it was to have sex with someone who actually cared that I was awake for the process. It was a throwaway comment. I wasn't really thinking, but he looked at me like, what the fuck do you mean? I explained how Chad would go through these periods where he would only fuck me in the middle of the night. I'd wake up to find him pounding away. I'm a deep sleeper. And I try to roll away, but he'd just reposition himself, finish up, then roll over and go to sleep. I tried and tried to get him to stop. Because it takes me a while to wake up, I do things to slow him down or turn him off. I'd wear tight PJ bottoms or I wouldn't shower. I begged him to please not do it anymore, but all he'd say were things like, well, pardon me for being a selfish lover. Let me be really clear. I love sex. I mean, I really love sex, but I want to be awake for it. I tried not to think about Chad's nighttime hobby. That's quotes, nighttime hobby during our marriage. I was afraid to push him about it because I worried that it meant he didn't love me, that he was pretending I was somebody else. I didn't realize that this was technically rape. Anyway, I just thought I'd write you because I thought it might be useful for other people to hear about the definition of consent and how it applies within marriage. I don't really want to talk about it with friends in case they think I'm a bad feminist for putting up with it or I'm making an issue out of nothing, but maybe other women have experienced this. Maybe other men are ignorant about this as well. Martin thinks all men know that this is entirely wrong and can't understand how it would be a turn-on to fuck an unresponsive woman. What do you guys think? Yours, T. Wow. So basically, she calls it a nighttime hobby, but really it's she like… She calls it rape is what she she calls she it. She sees it as rape, yes, by her own husband. Yeah. Did you know, in the United States at least, mm. that it only became illegal across all 50 states for a man to rape his wife? Okay, it's called marital rape. Mm. Marital rape became a crime across all 50 states only by 1993. By 1993. Like the process of making marital rape a crime started in the 1970s. And of course it's state by state, right? So all 50 states got it down by 1993, which is not that long ago. So if you think about it, in certain states, let's say in 1990, to make it a clean number, it was still legal for a man to rape his wife. I just want to talk about how we haven't actually come that far on consent and, um, you know, men not taking advantage of women. Oh, yeah. I mean, this just… it. Where's the line? How do you draw the line? And this is always difficult when you're talking about consent in any form. Um, but like there's always that joke of girls always being like, oh, fuck, you know, you get that fucking major knock on your back door in the morning because your dude has like a boner, right? And it's like just like 
fucking drilling it into your back. Like we don't know what the fuck they want, right? And then some people though could find that that they could feel like that is assault, right? Because you're like not wanting it, but it's still coming at your back, knocking at that goddamn door. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's interesting because it, it it it's it gets really murky when you're in a relationship, when you're in a marriage, when you're in a relationship with somebody. Well, exactly. I mean, Yasik likes to – he's – I feel like Yasik, who's sitting at this table, um, likes to get gropey also in the middle of the night. I feel like he's half asleep too. Okay. And he'll be like maybe having a Is dream. Is this why he was kind of smiling during the reading of Because well, he knew I was going to bring this okay. up. <laughs> right? He wasn't smiling at – um, this woman's situation, no, obviously. Not. But he was smiling because he knew I was going to say this. Right. Because I, we have talked about this. Where he'll be, uh, and if you hear that, it's my crazy ass dog, Elvis, scratching at his dog bed. Um, so anyway, he, Yasik, I mean, will be in the middle of sleep and I, I either he has a, a dream, like a, a sexual dream, mm-hmm. and he'll, his hands will find his way onto my tits. Okay. And I'm not sure how conscious he is. How conscious are you when this happens? Well, it wakes fine? it wakes me up. Yeah. Right? And then I'll be like, oh, go away. And then I'll push his face and then he'll go back to sleep. Right. <laughs> I don't consider it a violation mm-hmm. simply because um, I don't feel like he has disrespected me in that way. Mm-hmm. He was, it, it's like almost like an ask for him in that way. It's almost like a, hey, may I? Even though he didn't ask for permission before touching my tits. But I mean, like, you know, you always have a line of consent, yeah, right? Yeah. And so as soon as he does, and I'm not into it because I'm deep asleep at 2 o'clock in the morning, right. I'll be like, get your fucking hands off me. I'm going back to sleep. Yeah. And then he'll roll over and go back to sleep because he's half asleep too. Right. So I get what you're saying, like where so many women have experienced the, oh, there's his dick in yeah. my back. Yeah. And he's poking it. Yeah. Also, like that move… I don't know how they learned that. No. How, that tell move? me how that is learned across the board. Like, what is that move? Does that move? Did, why? I Like, I wish we could give Yasik the microphone. When you make that move, that in like, the morning. Nice? Do you think that's like, that? do you think that, oh, let me stick my dick in your back and she's going to get wet? Like, do you think that that's an automatic response? Oh, now he doesn't. Oh, he doesn't have a mic. Oh, now, now he doesn't want to say not anything. Piping up. What is that move? What is that it's, fucking move? It is a shitty move, and it's also, uh, yeah, like no, but it's so fucking annoying. It's like someone tugging at your fucking jeans or tugging at your shirt to like get your attention. It's really annoying, but I also think it's really crazy that they all do it. How, where did they learn that? Did they, did your dad tell you one day, hey son, like when you really want to fuck a girl, just fucking. Follow yeah, your dick on her. Put your morning wood in her yeah. back. Like, what is That'll that? get her. Yeah. That'll get her good. <laughs> so strange. <laughs> but anyways, we're going, we're, <laughs> yes. I think though, what's interesting about your circumstance, and that's good that you define that, uh, that it's so different is because, yeah, like, and especially you say no, like, fuck off, Yasik, and he listens. Mm-hmm. What was interesting about, you know, with our writer was she would continuously say no, 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 no. Oh, no. She practically by the end, it sounds like she was strapping on a chastity belt before she went to sleep. Yeah. Well, yeah. She was saying like really tight clothes and like not showering. She really didn't want it at all. And so, yes, um, I think there are probably a lot of women out there who have felt violated by their own husbands, but don't know how to verbalize it or embarrassed that that would be something that would happen in their relationship. 
Um, so I'm really glad that our, our writer wrote in and um, has put this out there because I think, yeah, like I think you name it what it is. And if it feels like fucking rape, then it's fucking rape. But you're also not a bad feminist for having experienced it and letting it continue. Like it's, you know, your feminism is not even in question here. No. So take that off the table as something that you need to either feel a way about or um, see as a, an obstacle to you sharing this experience. The person who would judge you as a bad feminist for not stopping your husband from making unwanted advances is, sorry to say, but not that feminist herself. Oh, yeah. But, I, but then I would also argue that it is really feminist. If you're going to write this to help other women, great. Then, then you are in definition being, you know, a woman for a woman. Like, I think that's great. I think that these are the issues that we need to talk about because as you even, you know, if this was only past, you know, whatever, less than two decades ago, then yes, we are still having issues. And the reason why we're having issues with consent is because we never fucking talk about it. So great. I'm glad that we can talk about it. Well, it's that. And we also still live in a world where men think that they can make decisions yeah, for, for a woman's body. Yeah. Um, and that's not only in this case where there are, Chad is by far probably not the only dude who thinks that when he shares a bed with a woman who happens to be his wife, he can do as he pleases. Yeah. Um, there are men like that. And there are men who think that they can legislate for what is best for a woman's body mm -hmm. and the reproductive health decisions that she gets to make about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to me… Maybe like other people, you could, you're you're welcome to write in if you want to dispute this. But for me, that's one spectrum. Yeah, Agreed. all of those things are one spectrum, and it comes down to misogyny, and it comes down to us needing to fight harder and crusade louder about having autonomy of uh, of our bodies. A hundred percent. I could not agree more. So, um, you wanted our thoughts on that, but I would encourage you to continue sharing it with other people. And thank your lucky stars that you're not with him and that instead you're with Martin, Martin, who sounds like a great guy who, yeah. Who actually knows about when it's okay and when it's not okay to touch a woman, T. Yeah. Um, but, and absolutely, when you look back on this, please take out bad feminist yeah. from the way that you describe it because… That's not part of the equation. Here. That's not part of the equation. And, um, and again, as Sasha said, I think that you opening up might open up a conversation for so many other women who may need to hear it. Mm -hmm. Okay, next. Hi, Sasha. When my boyfriend and I met a year and a half ago, it was under what we call a lot of false pretenses. Everything, um, everything seemed perfect, and within a month, we were both thinking that we found our perfect half. We talked about marriage and how we both want kids and how we wanted to spend the rest of our lives together. Fast forward to one and a half months into the relationship, he found out about the breast augmentation that I had when I was 16. He was disgusted and wanted to end things. I begged him to stay and promised to have my implants removed. I did as promised and thought things would get better. Three months into our relationship, we moved in together. By the fourth month, he has this epiphany and decides that he now also is disgusted with my tramp stamp and rib tattoo. Keep on going. Don't be that surprised. So being the pushover <laughs> that I am, I promise to have them removed. I love him a lot and I talk to him every day, multiple times a day through texts that I'm ashamed and disgusted with my mistakes, the implants and tattoos, 
and things have been smooth. We no longer have our explosive fights, and he no longer threatens to leave me. I know I love him a lot and want to spend the rest of my life with him, but it's recently come to light that he doesn't want kids. I've wanted to have kids, or at least a kid, since as long as I can remember. He doesn't want kids because he practically had to raise his two and a half siblings by the time he was 17, and I can understand that, but isn't that a selfish reason to deprive me of having a child, or am I being totally selfish? He says he will think about it, and it's da- he says he will think about it, and it's not a definite no, but it's definitely not going to happen in the next five years. I'll be 34 in five years. He told me that he wants to love me and only me and promises to be loyal and loving, et cetera, et cetera, until I'm old and gray. And if his love for me is not enough to fill the void of wanting a child, then I should leave him. I'm so torn. Do I leave or do I stay? A part of me wants to leave, but it's terrible timing because we just found out last Friday that his mom has a tumor in her liver the size of a golf ball. What do I do, Sasha? Baby fever. Oh, baby fever. Oh, I... Oh, baby fever. Yeah. Uh, Well... Where do we start? Well, I think that this is an extension of our last conversation. We were just talking about... Without, I swear, I didn't know that this next letter was following our last letter. I swear. And we were just talking in the response to the last letter about women having autonomy over their bodies and men, certain men, making choices for a mm-hmm. woman about her body. And then we got this letter. Yeah. So baby fever, hopefully you listened to the previous response. Mm-hmm. But hopefully we can dig deeper on this one more specifically because this is so troublesome and it goes even beyond like a guy trying to dull your shine. Like this is next level um, – next level in the works of being, if not already, like an emotionally abusive, um, fucked up relationship for lack of a better word. Like I'm – there's not even like like tiny little red flags. These are huge red flags. This person is – um, demeaning your body, uh, trying to take away uh, your autonomy, which is something we talked about earlier, um, and is making you feel bad about all your decisions. And it makes me sad that you're focusing now on wanting to have a child with him and also debating whether you're being selfish whilst he's trying to dictate how your life is going to play out. It's just, it's um, it's upsetting upsetting. Baby fever, it is upsetting. I agree with everything that Sasha just said. This is totally emotionally abusive. Mm -hmm. But I actually have hope because you know what? I think that you wrote to us telling us the backstory for a reason. Mm. You are starting to fight back. You are starting to see the unfairness of your situation. You could have just written to us and said, hey, my boyfriend doesn't want have want to have kids because of X, Y, and Z, and I want to have kids, and I don't think it's fair. But you gave us the background. Mm-hmm. You talked about your implants. You talked about your tattoos. You talked about his reaction to them. And then you worked in how he is, frankly, once again, trying to tell you what to do and not to do with your body. Mm-hmm. So to me, these are the first signs of you reclaiming yourself Mm -hmm. because you have started to see this as one complete story where you are placed as a second-class citizen. Um, And that is 
the first awakening. Yeah. Yes. And thank you for coming to us with your awakening and asking us to give you more strength to keep on waking up. And that's what we're here for. Yes. I hope that's what it is. Um, I, I think though, and yes, you're right to be positive about this because yeah, I think there are some subconscious things that are bubbling up in her in her letter um, that she knows that are not right and that are not sitting well with her. Um, so I really encourage her, I really, really, really encourage her to, yes, focus on um, focus on those things in the relationship because um, I think a lot of the time you see anybody in a relationship who ha- um, has been beaten down, who has been told to be less than, and I love what you said about being a second-class citizen in a relationship, sometimes you uh, hear that so much that you take on that role and you don't see yourself outside of that role. So it's really important to know um, that what he's doing is so wrong and so toxic and so negative and so um, it's it's going to destroy you if you continue to be in this relationship. So to seek um, friendship and other relationships and really talk about what's going on, you, you can't have – you can't he can't be your only um, uh, source of – empowerment and communication. Like you really need to talk to your friends. You really need to talk to your your mom if you're close to her and really tell people what's going on in this relationship so that you can get other advice from other people and other strengths so that you can get out of this relationship. Because at the end of the day, you have to get out of this relationship. Sorry that his mom has a tumor, but I could give two shits about that at this point. Yeah. And that's the hard line. The soft line is we – you've made it clear in your message how much you love him. Um, And I think that that I know, I know it's really hard for you to envision a life without the person that you love. The problem here is that baby fever, the person that you love, um, loves you in a way that is not healthy and doesn't so much love you as controls you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it goes beyond just even conditional love. It's no. like controlled love. Totally. Yes. He is controlling you. The way that he controls you is to make you feel regretful over decisions that you have made in the past. And the fact that you feel like over text, constantly you have to apologize for those things over and over again is a form of him controlling you and making you feel like you constantly have to atone for things Mm -hmm. that frankly, I mean, if I don't want to say this, but you've quote atoned for already. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We can't change the past and the decisions that you've already made, but right now going forward, baby fever, you love somebody who doesn't deserve the kind of love that you want to give. Mm -hmm. This is not a a complete and equal relationship. So bringing a child into a relationship that already is unbalanced is, is not an ideal situation. And you also have to think like, you know, how would she feel if and when she has a child with this person, if he would ever do and talk to and treat their child the way he treats her? Would that be okay? If she can answer that honestly. That's a great point. If she can answer that honestly and come to that answer, which is fuck no, then do not have a kid with this person. Do not have a kid with this person. Do not continue this relationship with this person, right? That's a really great point. Imagine that you do have a kid. Imagine she's a daughter. Mm. It's a it's a girl. And imagine your baby girl, because children make mistakes. 
um, imagine your daughter goes and does something that is regrettable, but not that fucking big of a deal. And your husband proceeds, or this guy that you're with now proceeds to strip your child away of all confidence, of all dignity by reprimanding her and shaming her and devaluing and her. devaluing yeah. her over and over again for a mistake of youth and innocence. Mm. And if you wouldn't let that happen to her, then don't also let that happen to you, right? Like we need to keep like keep the bar high. Keep the bar high when you're in a relationship. In the, any in any fucking relationship, keep the bar high. The point is the point is baby fever, you've been in a relationship that has been on someone else's terms. Mm. It doesn't sound to us in your description of this relationship that anything that's happened has been because you decided or collaboratively decided. He decides. Mm. You don't have a voice here. Yeah. And, and we feel that's really sad. And I feel like you're feeling like this is really sad because I, I don't think that you would be sharing this. So your question was, I am so torn. Do I leave or do I stay? You leave. You leave. You leave. Um, I don't think you're going to want to leave now. And I think leaving is going to be really hard for you. But most of the time, the right things are not easy. The right thing for you to do, baby favor, is to leave. But man, I, I know you don't want to. So I just want to send you all our best wishes and strength for you to do the right thing. Yeah. And I have a really, really good book that um, I will recommend and actually email you personally about that. I'll also post it um, in the intro to this podcast too. Okay. Well, it seems like we have a thread going with our… Hopefully this one. Hopefully the next one. Okay. Last question. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm 32 years old. I've met a guy who's 29 years old at a hobby sporting league a few months back in the spring. He acted interested and found me on Facebook but didn't continue contact beyond that. Life, canceled games, and the end of the season helped time go by apart from one another. By the fall season, we had a handful of casual conversations, then finally struck up a more involved conversation about food recipes, and I suggested he message me with some. We had fun messaging one another, but a couple of weeks went by without a recipe. I asked him why not, and he suggested in a flirting way that he cook for me. I told him point blank that I've had a crush for a while and I was only interested in pursuing something romantic that will become meaningful and exclusive. I also explained that at the rate that we've been texting, I will expect more face-to-face -face than what's been going on. If he wants to cook for me, he needs to clarify if it's as friends or dating. He was excited to agree that he also wanted to pursue something meaningful. It's been a month and a half of dating. He's followed through with everything. He's supportive, helpful, generous, kind. He gets along with my son. We have many mutual friends, see each other regularly, and have a lot of fun. Our friends are very supportive of the match as well. We have not talked about exclusivity yet, 
but I will, and I am not worried about bringing up the topic. <laughs> this chick this is like, like, I don't know why you need us, girl. <laughs> you, <laughs> you're a boss. <laughs> anyway, I'm just waiting on figuring out why he doesn't ask about me. He readily shares about himself and listens when I'm sharing, but doesn't ask for details or initiates interest in the topic of me. He's great otherwise, but I've brought it up and he references his lack of relationship experience, two girlfriends in 10 years. He had a demanding 70-hour-a-week job for 10 years that required travel. He quit it when we met and consults for the company now so he can set his hours, and he claims he's rusty and awkward with relationships. But I can't help but feel this is a yellow flag verging on red. I asked him how he can even like me if he doesn't even know me. His response is that he likes the way things have been folding and getting to know me and likes the way he feels with me. The only question he's literally asked about me is what my favorite flower is so he knows what to buy me. Help. Am I overthinking? Any tips? Okay. <laughs> I love like this. Is, I love you. <laughs> like, yeah, you're, you are, woo, um, really great. <laughs> I love this. We're like, She's like, I will tell him what yeah. I want. This is so amazing. Um, I... <laughs> I, well, one of my biggest pet peeves, I didn't think this was actually, like I was reading this along with you and I was like, oh, this is, took a turn because I didn't think that this was going to be her gripe. Um, but that's my biggest pet peeve. I hate when people don't ask about you, like about about who you are. And th- so many of our friends, like even our, well, I won't say her name, but our friend who was going on lots of Tinder dates, that was her biggest complaint. She would go on all these dates and the guy would only talk about themselves and never reciprocate. Sorry, mm. I've just whispered the name to <laughs> Lainey. Um, and so I don't know. It's like, are people just really, I don't know if like rusty, are you rusty at being social? Like, is that a thing? I didn't know that that was a thing. I think you can be. Okay. I think that when, I mean, she laid out his situation. He's not that experienced. Two girlfriends in 10 years, is I wouldn't say he's rocking and rolling. Who cares? It's about talking. It's about curiosity. Um, Curiosity isn't a prerequisite. He's a workaholic, Mm -hmm. so he was quite always traveling, just doing the work thing. I do think that dating can be – you can get rusty at it. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that the thing is just be a human being, but like, listen, being a human being – and then being in a dating situation is, it's hard. You're like, you're always, there's never a dating situation where you're not filled with self-doubt. Of course, but it should come naturally when you're spending a lot of time with someone to get to know them, right? It's like, it, it's like knee jerk. Like you just want to get to know the person. So you ask questions so that you get to know, like, isn't that just what, what fucking happens? Having said that though, but I will just say that um, before I forget the feeling I was getting from this letter writer was that I think she's a little bit a, a little bit aggressive with what she fucking wants. And and I like that, but I feel like she is trying to map out what this relationship needs to look like now. Like it feels very um, I don't know. Just feels a little bit not aggressive. I don't want to say aggressive. It's just like a little bit pushy. Like I feel like she wants him to show her everything right now. And you know, not everyone is built like that. Not everyone, um, like, just oozes out emotions all the time. So I feel like she just needs to, like, give it a hot second, let him find his footing in this relationship, and then see. Because I don't – it hasn't been very long, has it? I forget how long she said, but it doesn't seem like they've been dating forever. I think that you've set it up – I think that you've set it up well in that I love that um, 
like boss here has set up the parameters. I love that you've done that. You're like, hey, I have, I'm, she has a kid. So yep. clearly she's like, yeah. I don't have fucking time to waste. Yep. So I'm down with you. We met at the sports league. If you want to spend time with me, please know that I'm not just like, it's I'm not here to bang, right? Yeah. I am looking for commitment. <laughs> yeah. Um, she laid down what she wanted. She set the parameters. He was yep. like, hey, I'm down. Yeah. You know, he didn't run away. He was like, yep. That works for me. So, <laughs> so great. So she laid down her parameters. I love this. Yeah. But within, when you start, when you build your parameters and clearly you've done that, you also have to allow for some spontaneity. Mm-hmm. And I think that these are the things, the spontaneous unscripted. I think what you're trying to say, Sasha, sure. is that you yeah. can't script the way a relationship unfolds because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. otherwise it would be perfect. Yeah. And what relationship is perfect? So yes, this is his minor flaw, that he doesn't initiate questions about you and clearly doesn't ask follow-up questions. But what's encouraging to me is that she said that when she talks about herself, he listens. Yeah. Like he's like, hey, no, 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 like uh, enough about you. Can I, let me tell yeah. you about the time I went to Hawaii, went golfing with my buddies. Yeah. Oh my God. Like it was so good. Yeah. Like I think that's encouraging. And then when she clapped back at him, like you don't ask me anything about me, which it also, again, didn't put him off. No. He was like, oh, sorry. I just am a little bit inexperienced. Yeah. Like he's being honest. These are all yeah. really good signs. Yeah. yeah. I feel like she is with somebody who… If isn't... I'm reading it right. Well, I think we're both reading it right. Like she seems like she's whipping that boy into order. Yes. And it seems <laughs> like he is doing what she wants, which is like yeah. key to success yeah. in this kind of relationship. I'm not sure this is a red flag. No. Or a yellow to red flag. No. I think that… First of all, I, I'm not sure that any red flags come into your life because no. you seem like the Swap kind of person to take care of the seeds of any flags before they even grow because that's how much of a fucking boss you are and congratulations to you. However, within all the bossing that you have laid down as a form of self-protection and as a way to get what you want, you go girl, life does come with its unscripted moments. Yeah. Otherwise, you you should build a robot. Totally. <laughs> totally, yeah. Yeah, so I think it, it would be worth it to just soften up just a, a tad uh, when it comes to this. Like, if this continues to be a problem, fine. Then that's fair. Let's talk about it later. But I really do feel like he is – he's expressing to you that, yeah, he's a little bit rusty and that he is willing to try. Like, I think this guy has a lot of try in him, for sure. Well, I think that – let me share my, my marriage communication yeah. – Yasik is a really simple guy. Mm. He has very few interests, but those interests are his passions. <laughs> yeah. He loves his golf games. Yes. He loves the sports that he loves. He loves me. He loves our dogs. He's not a big reader of books. Mm-hmm. He doesn't watch that much TV. Um, and so there was a time, and we've been married 15 years now, so I'm not going to pretend to everybody that over the course of this 15-year mar- marriage, things have been perfect and we haven't hit hit some lulls. And a few years ago, there was a lull because I am a talker and frankly, I found his conversations fucking boring. He would spend a long time (laughs) walking me through his golf game. Right. I think I've talked about this before. A golf game is 18 holes. Yeah. He would actually tell me on the first hole, I drove it 300 yards, and I put it in the rough. So then I thought to myself, I have to make this second. Exactly. You're about to die. You are about to die. Snoozing already. It got to the point where our friend Q 
who's married to my best friend Fiona, outlawed and banned Yasik from talking about golf within Q's home. He's right. like, when you come over to my home, you're not allowed to speak. Right. And we all love Yasik. It's part of his charm. Like, you're laughing and it's adorable. But he, well, he wasn't bringing anything new to yeah. the relationship in terms of conversation material. Mm. And so we had to have this really hard conversation where I had to feed back to him, hey, we're going to be married a long time and I love you, but I also want to continue finding you interesting. Yeah. So, you know, it's always kind of me who's coming home and being like, you know what happened today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what I saw today? And you know what this person said to me today? Um, and it's not like he those things don't occur to him because he does read a lot, just not books. Yeah. He's reads a, yeah. He reads The Economist, whatever. It just didn't occur to him to… Bring in other things. Bring bring the things that he's seen, yeah. aside from golf and hockey and soccer, into our conversations. Yeah. He needed to be prompted. Um, now, Sash, you're saying, like, earlier you were like, well, isn't that just a human being? Like, he's a very well-adjusted human being. It's just that sometimes you kind of get stuck in your own patterns. And yeah. I'll, I frankly also will say that his parents are – have always been interested in Yasik no matter what he has to say. Like, they've encouraged. Right. They've, like, they've encouraged. They've been like, what happened on the ninth hole? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Whereas my mother has been like, if you are not capturing my interest within 30 seconds, stop talking to me. Yeah. So it's a difference <laughs> of like, you know, upbringing, of course, of family course. life. And so I, quote, fed that back to him. And it was hard to have this conversation. Mm. And I feel like I was an asshole a little bit too. Like I was basically saying to him, you're boring. Yeah. But what I was trying to say was, I want this to last. And I need more. I need more. Yeah. And now, like over the last few years, oh my God, he's, pro he's probably more interesting than I am in terms of like what he talks about. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, yeah. and so this is not a red flag. Yeah. It's just, this is your way of saying, hey… You need to ask about me. Yeah. You need to show me that you're interested in who I am as a person, which you've done, and keep at it. Yeah. It's not a flag. What's really interesting is it's an opportunity to push the relationship forward, right? Like sometimes, yeah, people need to be told. And I mean, even when, I, when I'm listening to you say that, oh, talk about Yasik, I mean, I think about Corey. Corey's like basically a mute human being, right? To get him to <laughs> – like he is – but you would agree with that, right? He goes through spurts of talking, but he's very like, he's like an artiste. Like he's very insular. And I, I, there are, t my biggest thing with him is when he, um, yeah, like I hear about his day, like uh, all about everything, like every boring fucking detail about his day. He never asks how my day is until that fucking started to really piss me off. Yeah. So now I walk in the door. And I just wait. I wait in silence until he <laughs> asks me. Like, that's how I – like, right. just to trigger some fucking normal behavior mm -hmm. is I'm like, no, you're just going to – how how was my day? Like, ask me about how my day is. Um, and I think, yeah, like, I'm – I unfortunately have to train my husband with these sort of things. But, yeah, like, would I break up over it? Obviously not. But it is, again, an opportunity to make our relationship better yeah. and to function the way I want it to function. So, yeah. I feel your yeah. pain. <laughs> Listen, I think that, you know, what's really interesting is that I said earlier that you, like, you can't script a relationship, otherwise build a robot. But in a way, maybe you are building a boyfriend. But, yeah. <laughs> but the more accurate thing would be you're building a relationship and you're setting down your expectations, which you are very, very good at. Mm -hmm. So this was just an extension of setting down um, an expectation of communication style. 
Yeah. And that is totally normal. It's not a flag. Nothing you've said here alarms me. No. No, it sounds like she's in a really good so situation keep, here. Keep doing what you're doing. You're an inspiration to all of us. <laughs> and on that note, all of you have been inspirations to us because you keep writing in and sharing some very sensitive and personal information. And we really, um, we really, we feel oh, the privilege. God. Like we're so yeah. honored by that. And you've been doing it all year. And thank you so much for that. Yes, thank you. And to yeah, 2017. Oh my gosh. To, Another to 40 putting podcasts? away this shit fuck asshole of a year. Everyone felt like that, right? I don't think it was, it was like a shit smear of a year. It was the worst. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was very bad. So to 2017. To 2017. Um, but we still want all your drama. So we still, <laughs> still send that to Sasha at laneygossip.com during your holidays because I'm sure there will be some freaky shit that happens. And check us out on iTunes and Google Play. Leave your comments. And once again, thank you for listening yeah, this you. year. And we look forward to coming back next year. Have a great holiday. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.